Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care podcast. Uh, this ICU sedation is a mammoth topic that listening to five minutes of me rambling will in no way seriously prepare you to either practice clinically or to write a semi-coherent exam answer. That being said, here we go. In terms of reasons to sedate someone in the intensive care unit, the following would seem a reasonable selection of reasons. So, as a treatment for a certain disease process, so for example, seizures or alcohol withdrawal, and perhaps to facilitate tolerance of intensive care therapies, for example, ventilation, and perhaps to reduce O2 consumption, and maybe in brain injury or in sepsis, and finally, maybe as a use as palliation. In terms of assessing sedation, I think most of us are beholden to the Richmond Agitation and Sedation Scale, and I think it is useful to give um, as a target, as it is moderately objective and reproducible, but I should be honest and say I rarely prescribe it. O's manual quotes a number of potential strategies for sedation. Um, For example, you could go goal-directed, so you sedate to a prescribed um, RAS score. You sedate with daily interruptions. Um, You could do something called analgo sedation, where you always target pain first uh, and sedation only if needed. Or you could go for patient-controlled sedation, which sounds a little too close to Michael Jackson's strategy for my liking, but it is, it's out there. And in terms of agents, we have a veritable cornucopia of agents to play with, um, of which I'm just going to give you a buzzword or a useful fact um, or two to go with each agent. So let's start with the GABA-A receptor agonists. So GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. If you agonize it, then you inhibit neurotransmission and the brain slows down and you get sleepy. In terms of choices of GABA agonists, we have the benzos. These bind to the gamma subunit of the GABA-A receptor. And we have propofol. This binds to the beta subunit of the GABA-A receptor and causes a conformational change on the chloride receptor. And with propofol, there is rapid hepatic and extrahepatic conjugation and any metabolites are inactive and hence its attraction as an on-off agent. Finally, the lipid carrier for propofol is a source of um, calories that usually your dietitian will remember to take into account in their assessment, which is really important because there's no chance I'm ever going to remember to do that. Um, The NMDA receptor antagonists, here we're basically talking about ketamine. It's a unique dissociative anesthesia, which I've previously heard described as disconnecting the thalami from the cortex, thus allowing some kind of consciousness without awareness of many of the sensory inputs. This may be entirely inaccurate, um, but conceptually I find it quite useful. Then we have what's described as the major tranquilizer. So you've got haloperidol and droperidol, the buterophenones. You've got the phenothiazines like chlorpromazine. Uh, and these target a range of receptors, including dopaminergic, serotonin and cholinergic receptors. The main advantage is the lack of respiratory depression and the lack of the increased mortality that seems to be associated with the benzo use in delirium. Um, then finally, we have the alpha-2 agonists, so clonidine and dexmedetomidine are the options here. Um, dex is highly selective um, sedation and analgesia. For example, you can extubate someone with the infusion running, uh, and personally this seems particularly helpful in transitioning the young male intoxicated head injury patient back into the real world. Um, hypotension and bradycardia are the main concern with these agents. For the references and rationalisations of this tasty morsel, you can look at O's Intensive Care Manual, Chapter 91, and the excellent and comprehensive um, Internet Book of Critical Care chapter on sedation is well worth a look. Thank you for listening.